Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. Man, I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to introduce you to, or reintroduce you probably to the guest today. He is a podcast hall of famer. And I say that literally and figuratively. He is, he has been in the podcasting world for such a long time. If you go to a conference, you, you've probably seen him speak. If, if not, you should after this podcast, probably. Uh, I feel super grateful to have him on here. Uh, and, and, and to, explain this he's been in radio since 99 that's 1999 and podcasting since 2004 so let's just put it this way he's hundreds and thousands of of interviews and and episodes across multiple podcasts even three interviews in one episode one time uh co-host of the new media show svp senior vice president of podcast content and partnerships at podbean rob greenley welcome sir it's great to be here, Casey. It's uh, it's always always fun to talk about podcasting and and trying to share some you know some insights and uh, some perspectives on the medium. I've, you're you're right. I've been around this medium a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'll just try to make sure that this conversation doesn't blur into the other th- couple thousands that you've had. <laughs> yeah, that's always the challenge, right? Yeah, right. Um, so here, let's kick it off. This is the question where we start this show off. It's a show about podcasting. It's for podcasters. A lot of us have brands behind us, companies that, that are, that are footing the bill and their time to, to try to get some attention. So Rob, pull back the curtain for us on your shows, on your experience and share your most important strategy for a great podcast. Well, I think at the end of the day, I mean, podcasting started in a very um, kind of its own kind of geeky technical realm. There's a lot of shows like like myself that were doing shows about the internet and the web or tech and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where the medium started. But over the years, we've we've um, I don't know if the right word is. Um, there's been a lot of new people that have joined the podcasting medium. So what we've seen sure. is it's it's expanded. Um, and the market for podcasting has grown based on um, participation and and contribution from very uh, large numbers of very creative and fun people um, that have gotten in and started creating content in this medium. And so we've seen it grow over time and evolve to be a, a really a fairly uh, close reflection of our society and our culture um, and the diversity of our society and culture on a, on a uh, U.S. basis where where it started. And then then it's been expanding globally for, uh, for most of the life of podcasting. It's, it's been a global medium. Um, And what's been interesting about it is this contrast between, if you think about radio, uh, radio is primarily a local medium. And you think about, podcasting has kind of been seen as kind of like a national and global medium. So, and podcasting has always kind of struggled to play in the local side of things because there's never been enough listeners in any one given place that right. it was viable. So that always left the door open for, for radio. Now, granted, that's kind of a different co- conversation here, but the 
podcasting space is, is definitely grown into something that's uh, significant on a global scale. And I would say it's growing faster outside of the U.S. than it is in the U.S. right now. I think we've reached a certain kind of, um, I don't know if the right word is maturity or um, kind of a level of adoption and acceptance and creation where lots of things have been tried. Lots of people have uh, listened. Uh, people have decided whether or not they want to stay involved in podcast listening or podcast creation. So we're kind of at a little bit of an inflection point now with the, with the down economy and what's happening with that too, is kind of, um, kind of flatlined the, the medium, which has never been growing really fast anyway. I think there's this perception that podcast grows has been growing like exponentially or some sort of like a hockey stick Mm. or something like that, but it, it really hasn't. Um, it's been a steady, steady eddy kind of a thing. It's been two to three to 4% every year of audience growth and, and content growth. So, so in w- where we are today is we're a fairly mature market that has opportunities for people to build a career, um, in the podcasting medium, get a job. Um, that hasn't always been the case. I mean, I was a lucky guy that I was able to build a career for the last 18, 19 years, uh, working for podcasting related platforms and companies on the listening or the publishing side. So, um, but those opportunities now, um, are just so vast. I mean, you just have to look in LinkedIn and you can see all of the, the people now that have podcasts in their job titles or in their, 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 um, their consulting that they do or whatever business that they do. I mean, th- there's just so many, whether it's production or, or things like that. So this medium has really grown up. And I think that it's, it's really um, a medium that's built on authentic conversations. And, um, and to some degree, it's still a fairly safe medium from moderation. Um, so you can talk a lot different topics in podcasting and not feel like that you're going to get taken down. Now, granted, if you publish it over to some of these bigger platforms, that may happen, but I think it's still an open, open medium. So with all these changes that are happening and and all the evolution that you've seen, has there been a a thread? Has there been that sort of guiding strategy that separates the success stories from the 12 and out? Well, I think it is about um, commitment. Uh, It's about um, creating a show that you have a passion for. Um, You know, granted, there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. There's the indie producers, and then there's like the pro casters is what I call them, kind of professional podcasters. So you have individuals that want to come in and they have a passion. Let's say it's about, you know, racing cars or something like that. And they want to create a podcast that, covers yeah. racing cars or let's say they're a football fan and they want to create a sports podcast. Um, that's all terrific and great. Uh, and then there's the major media companies that want to create, you know, it's very formulaic. It's a little bit more like radio from the standpoint of they, they come up with a show concept and then they find the talent and then they find producers and engineers and stuff. And they build a team to produce that show. Right. And so right. that's typically not what happens on the indie side where, where the, independent producer typically, you know, sweeps the floors, does the editing, does the voiceover voiceover for the, for the podcast, does all the management of the podcast publishing tools, and then works with getting it into all the listening. I mean, they basically do everything. So 
right? So yeah. that's kind of how I started in all this was doing everything. And that's why I still consider myself to be a podcaster is because um, I've, I think to really think of yourself as a podcaster, you have to think of yourself somewhat as a Swiss army knife <laughs> of yeah. skills and, and, um, and, and you do have to be proficient in a lot of different areas in order to be successful in podcasting. And sometimes people come into the medium with those skills and sometimes they have to gain those skills over time. And sometimes that can be a painful and slow process. So, and that, that limits success to some degree. I mean, if you come in with a, a media background and, and know how to create um, metadata and you know how to create imagery and, and you know how to create, a creative kind of experience and you have a big personality and so like that. I think you have a little bit of a leg up, but just because you're a celebrity doesn't guarantee success. So um, it depends on personality. It depends on your ability to connect with others. Um, mm. Voice is a very different medium than uh, a lot of, you know, like TV and film and stuff like that, where people play roles, right? People are acting, um, that kind of popularity is different. Uh, podcasting is you got to be who you are and you got to be real and you got to be believable. Um, and you have to be able to build bonds with listeners. And that's a big thing that I'm talking about more and more now when I go out and do presentations is I talk about as a podcast host, you have a, the role that you need to play in the market now is to build trust. Uh, trust is the number one thing in our society now that is at the least supply <laughs> um, <laughs> right. there's just so many things going on in our world right right now from a so sociology perspective and a and a governance perspective that there's just not a lot of trust in our culture and our society anymore and it's really challenging um every aspect of our lives and so if you can represent that to your community I think you're creating a compelling experience for people that it was like, wow, somebody can actually be like that. And I can, I can really trust what they say and they follow through on what they say they're going to do. It's all about responsibility and you have a relationship to build with your audience. And that requires attention, focus and participation and getting that audience to, to participate with you um, as much as you can. Sometimes that's hard to get started. So, so Sometimes you got to fake it to win sometimes with uh, getting a podcast started and giving the impression to your audience that you're listening to them and you're hearing from them and things like that. Sometimes you kind of have to fake that process to get started, um, you know, come up with a couple of names and come up with a couple of things that they maybe said about your show or whatever feedback, whatever, and then just talk about it. And then over time and then give a pathway to that audience to be able to give you that feedback. And then they'll realize that you're open to that kind of feedback and that you are looking for it and you're not going to be, um, you know, shunning it or ignoring it or what, whatever. And you're going to actually participate with your audience and that will build momentum and you'll, you'll really build that type of relationship with your audience increasingly, but people will come and go people. I would say the stats that I've seen in, in the past around, participation in podcasting is like a can be as high as a 50% churn in people coming in, listening to an episode and then going somewhere else. Um, but so what you want to gain is that a lower churn number. <laughs> so you want right. to retain as many of those listeners as you can. And the biggest way to do that is to 
create an emotional response in them, and then also uh, create that connection where they think or they perceive that you are listening to them and you care about what they think and you will talk about what they think. Now, some podcast formats, that doesn't really work. So if you're telling a true crime story or if you're doing a, um, you know, a sitcom, which is the other hot thing that I'm hearing people talk about in the podcasting space now, just to add a little levity to the conversation, but um, all sorts of forms of content are coming into this medium. So um, this strategy only works with kind of like talk shows kind of thing, conversational yeah. shows, news programs, um, culture and society type programs. Um, but, um, but that's kind of how I look at it. It's, it's really about building community at the end of the day. Okay. Can you, before, I really want to dive into an audience, but can you talk to me before we do that from the higher level of your, your responsibilities and your relationship as a host to your guest versus your audience? Uh, yes. Yeah. The difference is there. That's always, that's an interesting dynamic too, is, is that I think as a podcast host, what you want to create is that audience, like I was just saying, being bonded to you as the host, right? So, and if you want to do a interview show or a conversational show with, you know, like a revolving door of new people coming in all the time, I would get relatively strategic about that. Um, I, I would say, who, uh, what are you thinking as a host? What topics do you want to cover as a as a program? How, what's the story you want to tell to your audience? And then use that guest as like um, like pepper on your your eggs, right? It's like add a add a little more flavor to that conversation. So as you're building a conversation with your audience about a particular topic, it can be politics, it can be whatever. And, and all you have to do is look at a lot of the big talk show hosts out there, and they they do this. It's just it's not always obvious what they're doing, but they're basically telling a a story to you and then they're filling in experts to add to the story, not to replace you. I think a lot of, uh, I should say a lot, a fair amount of podcasts that are interview formatted treat their guest as like the hundred percent focus of the show, right? That that's why your audience is there is to just hear that guest. And if that guest, yeah. And if they don't, um, if they see the description of that podcast that says that this is the guest and that's all they see, then they may not come back and listen to the next episode. So how do you build that? And a common theme of this is, is in the marketing world is called a red thread. So you're basically that red Sorry, thread is what? what the theme of what your show is about. Red thread? It's called a red thread, right? That runs through everything that you do. That is like your, your focal point of what you're trying to do in your story. And, and so these people that are coming in, it's a, it's a little bit of like a, like a serialized program in some ways, cause you're, you're telling a story. Um, but it can be short stories too. Don't, don't get me wrong. That red thread can go through short stories as well as longer sure. threads. So you can have multiple, multiple episode threaded stories, right? If you want to, or you can have one, or you can just have a segment tell that story and then complete it and then move on to the next thing. Right. Um, or, or you have an overriding story that you're trying to tell across your whole series of your show. So let's say you're a theme show about, um, 
um, underwater basket weaving. So how can you layer in all these different people that have done that? Right. Um, yeah, that's always the classic example, right. Of a, um, of a perfect podcast. It's an underwater basket weaving podcast. So, so you, and you, know, if you the, really think about it, yeah. <laughs> underwater basket weaving, it's off to a great start because when the, the reeds are wet, right, they'll, they'll bend more easily. The right. challenge though is you're going to constantly have a soggy basket, but you have right. to get out then, of the water. And then another ex- example, <laughs> this is a, this is a real world podcast too. It's, it's the, okay. Yeah. I think it's the Sporkful podcast, I think is the name of it. And I've been a fan of the show Sounds for a long good. time. But but the example that, that kind of plays out here that's that's interesting is that they will do an episode on food, right? So they'll take yeah. a the concept of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they'll basically analyze it at you know, how to do it, how to spread, how you know, what type of jelly what type of peanut butter is best what's the best type of bread to have on there how to toast the bread you know get into the the details of this and they're basically telling the story from gathering the ingredients to moving through the, the actual production of the peanut butter jelly sandwich and it'll be like a multi-episode track here so so it's it, wow. it's just an interesting way of thinking about it. i think you know podcasting is like a blank canvas you can do whatever you want to do Actually, I'm just trying to tell you how how you can play an emotional storytelling audience yeah. bonding building. I know I'm lots of, throwing lots of stuff in here um, to create a audience that will follow you to the ends of the earth because they're just you know fascinated by how you present various topics, right? And that's the that's the magic of this stuff and. And another example is like the show that I do, the new media show, which is basically, yeah. it's a live show. You just show up. We, My co-host and I, we just show up. We drop our microphones down and we start talking about podcasting, right? Huh. And whatever comes to mind, if I can pull it up in my browser while I'm doing the show, that's what we talk about. And there's no editing. There's no post-production. When it's done, it's done. So that can't be any more... I guess, authentic and real, right? Because that is real life experience. The challenge that you have is, is being able to do that off the cuff and be able to bring in compelling things every week. It's a 90 minute show. So you have to be able to talk for 90 minutes about a particular topic. And that's where the passion comes from. And that's where the experience comes from. And that's where the, the ability to understand, um, to not get, flustered and stuff. And I, I learned that very early in my, my stage type of uh, presentations that I do too, is, is sometimes I don't prepare a lot. Um, I just get up and have a theme and want to talk about it. And it's kind of like what we're doing here. I don't really have an outline or what I'm trying to talk about sure. here. Th- these are just coming out of the top of my head and it comes across as very real because I'm, I'm talking about experiences and that's, that's what this is really all about. Yeah, people can hear if you're scripted. It's the it's the biggest cringe moment for me if I hear yep. someone sound too too perfect with that three or four sentence burst of what the hell like. <laughs> and then I have to ask them about their favorite ice cream flavor right. and kind of shake things up. I you know, it was so telling when you uh, describe the guest as Pepper, 
right? Pepper or salt on the food mm-hmm. as opposed to being the food itself. It, right. The question in my mind was like, is the guest pepper or are they the steak, right? Well, are that's they, that that's you know? the that's the decision that you need to make. I'm also a big fan yeah. of guest co-hosts. So, guest co-hosts, okay. Where you have and I did this with my radio show for many years. I I had like three or four folks that would come in every couple of weeks and do a segment on my show, right? So, or they would just come into the studio and they would do the whole show with me. So, wow. it so there would be this kind of this regular um, alternative personality on the show. So it adds a little bit of flavor to the show. It's not really a, a guest really. It's, it's somebody that the audience is already, um, familiar with because it's been on the show many times. Right. Right. That takes a little bit of time to build that chemistry, but, um, that's the other part of it too. The co-hosts and guest co-host chemistry is very powerful. Um, as you think about personalities and you think about voice types of voices, because you don't want, really want to get um, a co-host for your show that has the same sounding voices you have or uh, speaks in the same kind of cadence or um, where they could easily be confused. So because I'm not constantly saying, you know, Joe, tell us about this and Steve, tell us about that. You know, right. That audience has to has to be able to distinguish and associate. Uh, that voice to who that person is over time. If you, and it's especially effective with guest co-hosts because people get accustomed to them, and especially if they're regular listeners. I granted a new listener, you, you still have to say who that person is on occasion, just so they, you know, it's kind of like what you have to do in radio. We have to reintroduce your guests on a regular basis because people are tuning in and tuning out um, on radio more right. than they are on podcasting. But I think you just have to do it like maybe once or twice uh, at the beginning. Uh, and then you can just write it out the rest of the way. But on the radio, you're constantly doing it after every break, right? That kind of thing. So it's um, that, that's what makes podcasting and radio a little different is because it's, it's more bite-sized. Our radio is really bite-sized content. Podcasting is more like um, continuous stream of conversation. Gosh, you, you just present me with all sorts of pathways to take. So I was going to take us back, but then you brought up that the concept of of the short versus – tell me about short versus long podcast. Is, is there a too short? Does it become yeah, too much like Yeah, I think radio? there is a too short podcast, yeah. Tell I me think, about it. Well, t- I think it's challenging to drive a lot of value in a in a audio podcast that's short. I think it's – it can be done, and I've seen shows that have probably about the shortest that I've seen that have been successful. I've been in the the four to five minute range. Um, once you get much below that, there's not a lot of value to all the effort that it takes to get connected to a podcast and get it downloaded. And you know, I mean, it's getting yeah. easier because people are just clicking play. Um, but and I know that there are some podcasts out there like a horoscope podcast, that kind of thing that maybe gives you your daily horoscope. That's maybe two and a half minutes long or something like that. Um, or, a or a, like a daily Bible verse podcast sure. or things like that, where there's little content bits and bites, but those are not really, those are like a, uh, a little bit like a, uh, habitual type of 
consumption type of a thing or yeah. uh, it, it could be a news update too. you know, two or three to four minute news update podcast, which has been, been done a lot, but I wouldn't say that those shows typically are huge um, in audience uh, and they definitely don't have a lot of economic opportunity in them. I'll just put it that way either from the sure. standpoint of being able to get sponsors and things like that. So Usually in those type of formats, you're probably looking at maybe one pre-roll or one mid-roll somewhere, and that, that's about it. And as far as on the advertising side, be able to generate revenue from that. Um, so what you see with the, like the top 200, the top 300 podcasts in the world, they, they typically have a duration of somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes is the typical range of the most popular podcasts in the world. Now, granted, there's other ones like the Joe Rogan experience that are like two or three hours long. And there are other ones like Dan Carlin has a podcast about, you know, hardcore history. Hardcore history. Um, That's yeah. like a four hour podcast. So, yeah. And it's, and it's freaking yeah, awesome. Right. And it's, and, yeah. and so the spectrum is pretty wide, right. On what you can do. And that's the bigger theme that I have is that I'm not going to sit here and say don't do short podcasts because there has been successful ones, but I'm just saying if you want to live in the sweet spot <laughs> of where success typically happens, uh, it's usually at the 30 to 40 range is typically because then you're giving enough value in there. Um, and then it's also a benefit to the podcaster too, because you, you that's a, that's a duration that's uh, monetizable in a reasonable way for your effort. What makes that duration more easily monetizable? Because there's more space in the content for, for putting sponsor messages. And so you're not just like dropping that. ad after ad after ad for five minutes. Of content yeah. You don't really want to do that. I, <laughs> my recommendation, I mean, one of the reasons podcasting exists is a reaction to over commercialization of radio. So, so you got to keep that in mind that the expectation of a podcast listener is is less tolerance for over commercialization. Um, I think there's a tension in the medium now that's kind of I think as more radio people get into podcasting they they want to make it more like radio um, and and I think that's that's a tension that existed. But fortunately, we've been able to mostly resist that <laughs> and right. keep that from happening uh, because. I would hate for a, a, a new podcasting to start because the existing podcasting we have is over-commercialized. So you can see this domino. We go from radio to podcast, and then what's the next thing that doesn't have ads in it? <laughs> right. right. YouTube so, Red. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's a, that's a paid subscription, I think is what they call that, right? Right. <laughs> Pay to make it go away. Right. So. You know, back in the day, I remember Tim Ferriss having a post or a thought about, you know, don't look for sponsorships until you've got a million listens an episode or something like that. Uh, would you would you correct him on that, or is that a little that bit? Good well, I mean, direction. I, I don't think you have to hit a million before you can monetize. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, I think that it's possible, especially more than ever now, um, on smaller shows that you can get involved in what's called programmatic advertising which is automatic advertising um that you set insertion points in your audio and and the the servers or the technology or the host that you're working with um has this ability to dynamically insert um sponsor messages into your show they can either be 
recorded by you as the host. So they could be host reads that are dynamically inserted into certain spots in your show. It can be pre-roll, post-roll, mid-roll. Um, but there's increasingly the understanding that if we want to get sponsorship across larger numbers of shows, um, as opposed to like maybe the top four to 5% of the podcasting market, um, as far as on shows that have enough scale, like you were just saying, um, to yeah. get ads, um, host read ads typically is what those are, um, which usually have the highest, um, payouts on advertising campaigns. Um, but the programmatic side opens the door to a lot of smaller shows to be monetized, more niche shows. And I think it's, if you think about it logically, that makes sense, right? I mean, if you can, there's not a lot of duplicated audience across large numbers of podcasts. So there's a lot of splintering that goes on of audience amongst large numbers of shows in the podcasting space. So if you're a brand, you can certainly buy across larger numbers of show through programmatic and have your ad go to lots of different shows. Um, or you can buy a host read, pay a little higher CPM and buy only against a couple of shows. So that have really big audiences, right? So that they have more than 50,000 downloads per, per episode. Um, you know, that's considered a pretty decent size show in podcasting. That's not a million. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Of course you say a million and it, over what time span is the is the question? I know plenty of shows that are moderate size that have had five million downloads in their lifespan, but sure, you know how many per episode yeah, to be, is the to be question. Fair to Tim, I think he he said that long before there was a Podbean, and shout out to Podbean because they do have that programmatic advertising. I've used yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, Podbean has been, been around since yeah. two thousand six, so it's been around a long time. But been around right around the block. But but dynamic ad insertion has 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 been around for quite a while, but uh, it's only been probably in the last I'd say probably in the last ten years, nine years or so that it's really been utilized by by many in the industry. So got it. You know, I I was working on dynamic ad insertion when I was working at Podcast One down in Los Angeles back in 2014, mm. um, wow. and I know that Lipson had the technology for, for, for dynamic ad insertion back in like 2006 or seven. Um, but people just weren't using it. So, you know, it's, it's a fairly recent thing that people have used automatic insertion of advertising into podcasts. That's a fairly recent development. Um, and it yeah. seems to be picking up steam. People are using it all the time now. You know, and, and I do, I want to talk more about Podbean in, in, in a second. There, there's this, let's go back to pepper and steak. Uh, <laughs> because even as we were talking about the chemistry of voices or the, the style of the show, it, when it beat, when it's four to five minutes, you don't have enough time. And in my mind, because I'm so obsessed with the guest, right? So in my mind, I'm like, four to five minutes, you're not creating a relationship. You're not creating a good connection with your guest. And you said you're not really creating enough. You don't have enough time to create value for your audience. Right. And, and we both agree and revenue for either of those situations. But I just, I love that your approach and even your vocabulary, even the way you're phrasing things, it's audience, audience, audience. Right. I, it sounds like these decisions need to be made early on in the show design, but how does someone who has been just obsessed with, the guest 
work more of that relationship in with the audience? You've, you've mentioned a few things here and there, but I just wanted to kind of like set that up and pass it over to you because knowing no. where I'm at, right? Just guest obsessed. What do you do to sort of think a little bit more about your audience? Yeah, I think it's really to think more about your audience is to get, get a little selfish um, as the host. Get a little selfish. Right, right. Um, because at the end of the day, the audience is there to listen to you. Um, and you want them to come back because they want to listen to you. So right. in order to really achieve that, you have to be selfish about that relationship that you have um, and, and feeling a responsibility to your audience to, to deliver on who you are. And then that guest, be selfish about um, what you need from your guest. I think is really important um, because then the, it's almost like bringing in, you know, you know, it's like um, it's like adopting a brother or something like that. You, you're basically bringing somebody into the fold that fits into your path, right? Into what you're trying to do versus having them come in and interrupt your path. So that's, that's the idea behind it. So you're building you're kind of building a team that's trying to drive a mission, right? So any input that comes into this needs to drive that agenda. Um, it can be a very high level agenda. It doesn't have to be uh, topic specific, but it, it just needs to drive your, your focus. And that, that's what I mean about being selfish. I mean, being selfish about what you need to either get from the show and what you need to deliver on the show to your audience and to what you also need as a, as a human being yourself. What does me as a host need to get out of this, right? What do I need to right. learn? What do I need to right. improve on? What do I need to um, be able to, to network, to develop a network that then can further my expertise and my career and my reputation in a particular area. Um, so these are complicated relationships, but we're all humans and we're all focused on trying to build relationships. And I think some people are good at doing that. And some people are less good at doing uh, partnerships. If you look at my job title, I'm, and it, it really is a, a good encapsulation of my career and, and it's translated into a job over many different companies is content and partnerships, right? So that's basically what I do. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily understand how that, the dynamic of that, but I've always looked at um, the online world as a, a amazing content marketing opportunity, right? It's, it's like using content as a trust building, as a relationship building, as a customer building uh, pathway. Uh, and that's why I got sucked into it a long time ago. I mean, I was like doing a lot of billboards and radio and television and all this kind of stuff. And I said, wow, this internet thing we can, yeah. can get us connected directly to the consumer or the business customer or whoever that is. And how can I foster that relationship? I mean, I was a sales guy too, for many years too. I'd go in, I'm selling like, you know, truckloads of, um, sliced bacon to a grocery chain, um, you know, how can I build that type Sounds of relationship? Really right. Um, <laughs> but using the internet to do it. Yeah. So, right. 
So I, I hear you on being selfish, and I, I feel like it's. I'm glad to hear you say that. I feel like a lot of us probably need to hear it. Yeah. Uh, and as, as I was taking into, I was sort of taking inventory of myself as you were saying that, and I feel like I have achieved a somewhat, I'll call it selfish, in a good way level with questions, right? I'm asking you questions that I'm dying to know the answer yeah, to. Yeah, you want to know so you can myself, right? be a you know, better at what you're doing, better at your career. Um, but it also builds a bond with that guest too. And that will translate into maybe some other opportunities of partnership and doing things, um, together in the future too, because you've created that connection where you're interested in this other person and this other person has been able to share and everybody wants to share. Right. So the follow on question to that is I'm able to be selfish with questions does that also extend into being selfish with the dialogue and how much time someone's talking? Because I've definitely heard the best practices and the, I probably have even said it of, you know, if the host, I've had guests come on here and say, look, if the host is talking more than 30% of the show, it's a, it's a different show. It's not an interview, right? It's, or, or and I have had like maybe too selfish of hosts that are just like, Hey, it's the me show and hi guest or whatnot, but maybe they're doing what you're describing. So Help me understand how much do you monopolize of the actual conversation? I think the ideal way of doing it is to keep it almost 50, 50, if you can. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't give the mic. It's the same thing. It's like what you did at the beginning. Um, you introduced me, um, in the way that you wanted to introduce me versus saying, you know, I've got Rob Greenley here. Rob, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I hate so, that. <laughs> yeah, so I would say don't do that. Um, don't introduce, Don't have the guest take over the microphone. You, you have to be in control of the show as much as you can. Um, and the guest has the responsibility too, and maybe this is in the prep, um, to keep answers relatively short and, and sweet. Um, and... But also, it's it's a tricky thing. If you come into an interview with a bunch of questions, um, that can also um, – you can miss opportunities um, by doing that, too. Uh, I think it's okay to send, like, maybe a topic theme um, mm-hmm. to a guest. I'm not a huge fan of – well, I have a mixed feelings about pre-interviews. Um, you know, I think they can yeah, be helpful. Me. I think they we can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think they can be helpful in building a bond in a, in a pre pre relationship before the interview. Um, and I think we're both parties feel a little more comfortable with each other. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the interview <laughs> in the yeah. pre, in the pre interview. Cause that may change the dynamic of your actual final product. Yeah, you can let the cat out of the bag, right? And you have a guest yeah. just answer the question. Yeah. And I've all, I've often had this theory that if they answer a question too well on the prep, then they're not going to – that magic will never come back the second time unless they're a very rehearsed professional speaker. It just won't come back. Whatever thing they created on that prep, it was for you and you alone, and it would have been great if you could have recorded Yeah, that. as I was saying, if only I'd push the record button over here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we should record our prep calls and not our show. Right. There you, you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that just tells you exactly what we're trying to say here, right? Is is that right. you know, I've 
I have mixed feelings about pre-calls, but um, I think they can be helpful in building a bond between two people. So, and that couldn't come across in the interview too, which is a good thing. I don't think it's a big, bad thing. And that 50-50 ratio you've described yeah, I would say even for this show, it's kind of fun because it's meta. As, as it's happening, you can talk about it. it. You know, it's probably been 30, 70, if I'm generous, maybe lately after you've described that. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing more. Uh, is it, th- does this tie into the design of your show where your guest is more of a co host in the journey, uh, where it's not, there's not that implication that you're going to be just extracting their knowledge? You know, like if I were to start teaching something right now, in my mind, it, it almost seems like that might be a little weird unless it kind of like adds to the conversation because aren't we here to learn from like the great and powerful Rob Green <laughs> or are we here to learn from Casey, the ringmaster? You well, know? keep keep in mind what the audience want. The audience wants to learn from both of us. So, True. so True. if I'm okay. here, I'm sharing my perspective on these topics, you're you're here because you're the host and you have a perception and hopefully an understanding with your audience that you are an expert in the the area that you're trying to focus on here. So, so I think that's the, that's why I say 50, 50 is, is it doesn't always have to be exactly that. Um, but it, it needs to follow what seems natural and what seems to flow um, with the conversation. I mean, like what we're doing here, I, I mean, right. you're asking a lot of questions, but I do want to hear what your thoughts are. I mean, I'm, I'm always selfish in the interviews that I do too, because I want to learn from the person that I'm on the show about. And right. then I also want to be able to deliver uh, what that show needs too. So I feel that responsibility as well to, to um, not do the same interview that I do on 10 other shows. Cause I do probably uh, two to three shows a week um, all over the world. Like I did a show, you know, last night in, in Australia and, and so in it's, Australia, well, from, I mean, here going down, down to Australia. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll do shows like at 10, 11 o'clock at night or whatever sure. in different time zones around the world. So it just, um, it just depends on, um, on, you know, on the, the flow of the show and what you're wanting to, to get out of it. And I definitely like you, um, like we're talking about here, I think, you know, sometimes doing an interview um, about doing interviews can be extremely meta. Um, But I also can give you an example too. this, the show that I do, the, the new media show, which is, it's been a show I've been doing for about 12 years now. And it's uh, every, every Wednesday. Uh, live and it's done d- done live and and the feedback that we get from our audience because I I will bring on a guest occasionally on that show it's not a it is definitely a host co-host co-host kind of show right it's myself and Todd Cochran who's um, the CEO of Blueberry which is a competitor of Podbean so we've been doing wow. that show for a long time uh, regardless of where I work I mean we just keep doing the show right. every week. Um, but it's the feedback that we get from the audience is the audience enjoys just Todd and I actually our, our ratings go down when we bring a guest in. Hmm. 
because that audience is going there because they want to hear Todd and I talk. So that's, that's the, at the end of the day, that's kind of what's going on. And if I, I'm kind of in charge of the guest flow into that show. If I bring on a guest, it's going to be like a product manager from Facebook, or it's going to be somebody from Google, or it's going to be somebody from, you know, um, the podcast conference, podcast movement, the, the head guy of podcast movement or something like that, because that's what we're talking about. Then we're talking about right. a particular thing that's happening in the market um, that is appropriate to, to the topic in the podcasting space. Um, so like, you know, if YouTube gets into podcasting, I'll hopefully be able to bring on somebody from YouTube to talk about um, their entry into the podcast market. So that's kind of how I think about um, guests on the, on the show and all the other episodes are just, me and the co-host. Mm. That's it. So and they come to hear the two of you. Yep. And you're sharing much more on that because there is there is no interview occurring. It's not. Yeah. Right. It's very interesting. Right. And it's. Um, I mean, if we had a guest every every week, I think some people would be turned off by that because they're actually here to listen to either Todd or I. So, because oftentimes in the episodes where we have a guest, um, Todd and I don't talk very much. <laughs> right. So. Right, because the guest, the guest is there to talk. If yeah. if you don't regulate them, like you've described, you've described me, give them guidelines, and yeah, it's almost those things in bowling that come up out of the gutter. You know, give them <laughs> some sort of right thing so they stay in line. Right, and, and they crash and, to the side. Right. Yeah. 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 And and then to your point, they add to the direction you're going. They don't interrupt the direction you're going to take you in a random tangent. Yeah. It's almost like a journalist will bring in a, a guest to, to talk, you know, in, in greater depth about a particular hot topic that's going on or a new story or something like that. It's, it, it's a little bit of a little bit like a, a little bit of journalism that goes on with that show too. So I'm yeah. um, trying to walk that line. Um, and that keeps people interested coming back every week. It's like, well, what are they going to talk about? What's the hot thing this week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you, you're you doing a show about something that you know. I guess that's another difference too. You're doing a show that's not so much about your guest, but it's about a topic that you know and love. So you're able to talk about it and with no end. Whereas sometimes we're hosting shows where we've by design made it so much about our guests that – we take a back seat to them. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. You know, it's sort of challenging to me, and I, I think I'll have to chew on it and figure out. Yeah. But I definitely have, have sort of received the message. Well, and, I mean, another great example is like a Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think most people tune into the Joe Rogan podcast because they're interested in hearing from Joe. It just so happens because most <laughs> – Joe's actually probably a bigger name uh, and more more popular and more – uh, prominent than any of his guests. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, how do you get, you know, so that's the dynamic of that one that really kind of exemplifies what I'm trying to say is that, is that the, the host should be the, the focus, right? Um, yeah. The guests just add to that credibility. You know, it's so true because if Joe has a guest that stinks and then I'm literally out of that episode. I don't really care because I got a chance to listen to yeah. Joe for, for a couple of hours, right? So right. Yeah, like I, I'm either not even clicking on that episode because like who wants to yeah. hear from that person? 
Right. Uh, that sounds boring. Or if you're into it and then you get in there and they're a terrible speaker or something, they're just not good. You're not interested. Then you tuning out. Whereas if it was like you're describing you and a co-host or whatnot, they're in there for you. And so if, but you get what you get. So like, it's not like it's going to change that much. If you, yeah. if they like what you and your co-hosts are doing, they can get that every episode. The topics yeah. may come and go and change, but that's what they're going to get. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's not always the same quality of show every week too. So, sometimes right. we have audio problems and sometimes we, we um, have a problem with something, you know, um, so we're not perfect either. And that's, that, that's part of the, the charm of the show maybe might be is is that we're we're considered to be kind of pros in this business but we're not perfect either so and that's that's actually that's actually a solid thing to to do especially um in in a medium where people feel like you know they have to be perfect and right and and I, i don't necessarily um agree with that viewpoint um i went I spent a lot of years doing a lot of heavy editing and post-production with my radio show. Um, and I think I've learned over the years that heavy editing is, is, uh, is not always the best time spent. Um, so that, that time would get spent too. I mean, you, you open a editing window and then you look up and then it's the next day. (laughs) It can take a long time to do detailed editing like that. Um, when I'm not sure that the audience really cares as much as maybe we think they do. So, right. Right. Maybe the artwork, we're putting the artwork in front of the audience. Maybe, uh, Rob, last question for you. Cause I literally could pick your brain all day, but I'd love to just sort of throw something out into the future. We chat again, 50 episodes from now. Um, for you, um, you're in like leap years, right? So you'll have like nine different shows going on. So you'll have a thousand new episodes. I'll have 50, 50 more, you know, roughly a year's worth of podcasting. What, what does this industry look like? What do podcasts look like a year from now? I think the same way they looked look like probably five years ago. Um, it's, it, it'll start growing again. Um, we're kind of flatlined right now, um, in most metrics, so what I don't know yet is what's happening with the the listening side of podcasting. Um, that data usually comes out once a year from the Edison folks. Um, so I just have, haven't seen a current update on what the audience levels are. Um, I do know that the amount of new content that's being created in the medium is flat. Um, there's There's shows you know, pod fading and then there's new shows starting. So it, there's a regular flow of new shows, but it's not, it's not growing much beyond the pod fading number. So right. we're kind of like, right. if you think about it, the growth is relatively flat on the content creation side. Um, people are still creating new episodes. What I have seen some data showing is that there's, there's more and more shows creating multiple episodes a week. Um, so that, that percentage of um of episodes per week is is exceeding the number of shows so so you're you're starting to see more shows creating let's say maybe two episodes a week uh versus just doing once a week Uh, or or more more shows are doing three episodes a week instead of one or two so wow i think that there's there's a little bit of a recognition that if you have an audience you're you know you're 
you're more likely to retain that audience uh, if you're a little more frequent. Um, but yeah. that's the trade-off, right, of duration versus frequency, right? So what is that sweet spot is the it's kind of something you have to play around with. I mean, if you create three, three, three hour episodes a week, that may be too much content. Um, but if you create, <laughs> you know, like three 40 minute shows or 30 minute shows a week, that may be just right. You know, so finding that balance is, is, um, is where I think the market is right now. And then if, if we can still keep growing steadily, the, the listening side, um, since it is a typically a free medium, you would think yeah. that we'd be able to continue to grow the listening side. Um, but I haven't seen numbers on that yet. Okay. Well, we will keep track of that. And hopefully we talk before 50 episodes from now. Uh, yeah. And give a shout out. Uh, where can people connect with you? Podbean, all the things. Well, it's pr- pretty straightforward. I'm on all the social platforms. So my I would say my primary is probably LinkedIn and um, and Twitter. Um, so at Rob Greenlee on on Twitter, and then it's just my name Rob Greenlee on LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me over there. I've been active in both of those for a long time. And then I have a website robgreenlee.com. I also have a new show that I'm working on called Spoken Life. Um, so it's it's not really got a lot of new episodes yet, but it's something that's coming for me, and um, I can. And Podbean is just podbean.com. My my podcast that I do is called the the new new media show, and it's at newmediashow.com. Uh, so you can get all the archives right right there. Um, and then it's also live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, um, and YouTube. Um, we're not yet on Rumble yet, so but <laughs> it seems like everybody's moving to, moving over to Rumble these days. But um, but yeah, those are the best ways. And if you want to send me an email, you're certainly welcome to do that too. Rob G at podbean.com. Would love to hear from you. And, and I, I take emails from people if they have podcasting questions or if they want to get started, happy to, to help. Yeah. And a shout out to Podbean. We've hosted, you know, many of my shows on it and, uh, easy to use, easy for, you know, agencies to use and, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited. Obviously, they've dropped in the ads. They're they're adding new things. So I'm not. Oh yeah, we're constantly working on new stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for just sharing this thing that you've been so passionate about for decades with me, and and letting me pick your brain about some challenging topics. I just I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it's a it podcasting is an art. You know, it's 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 more art than science. especially in the psychology side of things. I mean, I think, it, you know, it's, it's an exciting medium. It's kept me energized for many years, as you can tell, um, trying to push this medium forward. So I'm, I'm still engaged and still um, excited about what the future looks like and, and how this medium can keep getting better and, and ho- hopefully doesn't get sucked into the, to the madness of the world too much. <laughs> if it does, we'll be right there right, right alongside everyone right, else recording. Right, it'll always be interesting. Live. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank from you the, uh, for the crash of the balloons. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show and I appreciate your efforts and in, in trying to create the greatest show. That's it, man. That's what that's what we're trying to do. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here front and back. <laughs> 
right. then uh, then share. I got to go like absorb these now. Uh, but then share this episode. One person, nine people, three thousand, whatever. That's just getting good information into other people's hands. Rob, thank you again for being on here. I really appreciate you. Yeah, well, thank you, and good luck to you, and you know, with all your content creation efforts too. And I'll, I'm, I'm here to help when in any way I can. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. I will definitely be hitting you up long before 50 episodes from now. Okay. <laughs> uh, and with that, thanks again, man. And this has been a crazy episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.